Has Sam gone through? Oh, there you are. Phil, come up to the front. You can um, bring your two sons. I think as the little one's gone through. Will they come? Yeah, there we go. So uh, some of you will know Phil and Sam and the family. Uh, some of you don't. Uh, we have spoken about um, the fact that we're going to be going up and uh, supporting them. They've st- planted a church, started a church in Hampstead Heath in London. And so we remember we've been speaking about going, we're going to Bristol one month and then to, um, up to these guys on another month. And they're visiting us today. They've taken a break over the summer. And this is the last weekend before you get back in, hey? Last two. There we go. But it's wonderful to have them with us. So I'm just going to get them to say hello. And then Sam's also got a word for us. And then we're going to pray for them. And they're also staying for lunch. You are still staying for lunch, right? Yeah, they're still staying for lunch. So hang around, get to know them. You'll see their photos are on the back wall. Um, And so this is the family that we are supporting up in London, for those of you who didn't know. kind of like a parable really for you um, so it's a story when Jesus first meets Peter or right in the beginning um, and he goes to him and he says can I use your boat and they've really actually finished fishing they're basically cleaning the nets and I'm taking it during that time that was quite a story to clean the nets um, and he sits on the boat and he teaches them and then when he had finished speaking he said to Simon now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time the nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought the partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please forgive me. I'm such a sinful man. And basically it starts his road of walking with Jesus. And I just felt for you that story of consistency 
being the one. Consistency, which um, your church already is such a great testimony of it. But in this next season, I felt there'll be fruitfulness in some of those areas that perhaps you've consistently applied yourselves, but it just there's been no there's been no fish there. And I sound Peter's quite tactful here, saying, "Look, okay, I'll do it because you say so." But if it was me, I'd be like, "I've just cleaned the nets. <laughs> I really don't feel like going out. It was all of last night." But he's like, I mean tactful than I would have been. Simon Peter's not known for his tact, so that's no. quite something. Um, but actually, perhaps there's little, some areas that you feel a bit tired in, or but um, uh, that, that it's just not being fruitful, and perhaps there's other ways to do things. And I felt God bringing fruitfulness in some of those areas, and some of those areas that perhaps for the last season have not been that fruitful. And I felt it particularly in the area of bringing in the lost. I feel that often that's what that symbolizes, bringing in the fish, and I just felt there's going to be a new catch in terms of that. Um, and that perhaps you'll feel like the net is going to break, um, but it won't. That's what happens. It's because Jesus is involved. The net doesn't break. And it's because of what he said should be done. There's capacity to handle that. Fantastic. Can I add? Add. Uh-huh. add so, so the way Sam and I work is Sam is the really prophetic one. And then when she brings a strong prophetic word, I'm like, oh, yes, God spoke to me about that as well. And I feel confident to bring it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... So I was, I was worshipping, and um, I don't know if you've read the Tintin books. Uh, I love them. And there's one where they're in the desert, and the two twins, they keep running into mirages. I don't know if you know that one. And it's always like, oh, there's, there's an oasis, and they keep they're driving, and, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, just an, it's just a mirage, you know? And they get so disillusioned, and they're like, oh, it's just a mirage, it's a mirage. And then eventually they actually drive into the water, into the oasis, you know, because they think, oh, it's just a mirage, but it was actually an oasis. And the mirages are amazing things. They're not just magical appearances of nothing. They're actually reflections of what's just beyond the horizon. So if you're driving down a road and you see the water on the road in the, in the desert, or I don't know if you, I don't suppose you get that much here, but in South Africa you got it quite often, uh, you'd see like what looks like a pool of water on the road, uh, and it's just a mirage. It's not actually water. But what that is, is actually a, an atmospheric reflection of what's just beyond the horizon. And so I think often what we do is we see the mirage and then we think, oh, that's it. And then we get there and it doesn't feel like there's anything there. And we get disappointed. We get a little bit disillusioned. But actually just beyond the horizon is where the water actually is. And if you are just a little bit more persistent and just keep going a little bit further, you, you'll actually see the source of what, what you see. And so just in terms of what Sam was saying there, I think there's a sense of, for some of us, uh, you know, we, we're going and we're persisting and we're keeping on and we think we see what it is, but it's just a, just a reflection of what's just beyond the horizon if we'll just persist and we'll just keep going, just trusting the Lord for a little bit longer and a little bit further. And so for, if you, in your personal walk even, um, are feeling like... Uh, there's not much fruit or there's not much life and I keep doing this or I keep persisting and, and I keep praying and I'm not, I'm not seeing answers or I don't feel like, you know, um, just, just hang in there a little bit longer. The Lord loves faithfulness. He loves faithfulness more than he loves flash and bang and charisma and all that stuff. And faithfulness is often the key, not, not great stupendous miracles, Miracles are wonderful, and I'll always put my hand up for a miracle. But, but the Lord works in faithful through faithfulness far more often than he does through miracles. So if you are faithful, if you'll just persist, and I'm speaking to myself here as well, Lord, amen. Um, you, I, I think we, we're going to see fruit like we had never imagined. Uh, so let's keep trusting the Lord for that. Thanks, James. Wonderful. Thank you. 
Wait, before you sit down, why don't you guys just extend your hand and why don't one or two of you just come up and we'll just pray for them quickly. This is, this is Connor, by the way. Oh, sorry. And Evelyn's through there. Evelyn's through there. There we go. There we go. Evelyn's through there. Good. Father, we thank you for the incredible work you've been doing through this faithful family. Uh, and Lord, we thank you that the privilege is for them to come and spend today with us. And Lord, we pray for them. We pray for your encouragement and your strengthening. Father, where they've had a break, I thank you that they come out of that refreshed. Lord, I pray for this next little bit before they start again, that you would um, continue to refresh and invigorate them, that they would step into the fullness of what you have for this next season for them with great faith and passion. Lord, I pray that your favor would rest on them. Your anointing would rest on them, Lord, that as they speak, as they minister, as they reach out, that they would see your hand moving supernaturally through every single thing that they do. Lord, I pray for clarity of hearing your voice and a skill at moving in with what you have for them. Father, I thank you for those that you've gathered around them. Thank you for the relationships that they've got in the area that they minister. Lord, I pray that there would be fruitfulness from that. And Lord, just as they've spoken those words over us, Lord, we, we thank you for that. But Lord, we speak them also over them, that there would be fruitfulness. There would be uh, 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 just a, a faithfulness that it brings fruitfulness in, in their lives as a family, in their lives as a, as a church family. But Lord, that your grace and your mercy and your favor would be on them. Yes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you, James. There we go. So I'm going to preach, so don't worry, we, I'm still preaching after that. But it's really wonderful that they could come down and just be with us, but also we are blessed by having them here, but I trust that they would be blessed too. So I'm going to pray and then launch straight into the message this morning. Father, we thank you that we can meet with you, the living God. This morning, Lord, as we do that, as we look at your word, Father, I pray that you would speak to us. Thank you that you have already, and I pray that we come with hearts that are open to hear what you would say. Lord, I, I pray that our ears of our hearts would be open to, to hear even those things that challenge us, that we would embrace them and move forward in you, that you would be glorified and honored in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for that word. I think it ties in with what I'm going to preach because some of what I'm preaching isn't new, but in preparing, I really felt that actually we needed to be reminded of these things, even though maybe we've walked in them faithfully or maybe we've done them time and time again. And there are times where I look at what I'm going to preach and I look at how we see things and, and believing for and I think, am I believing something that's far too big or impossible because I haven't seen it and yet God always says no. That's what my word says, that's what we need to do. And so I think your word I think, ties in exactly with that as well. And so we've been looking at the last few weeks of what it means to be a base church, what it means to be a base. But, um, and... Uh, uh, and we're going to continue that uh, in a, probably a different format from what originally thought. But last week we looked at the Ephesians church, just briefly looked at the Ephesians church where we saw how it was planted, how um, they impacted the region. And then we were reminded again, and the key I drew last week was, was their rebuke, that although they'd been planted with incredible things that happened, although there was the letter to the Ephesians, which Paul writes, which covers a whole load of things and, and touches on quite strongly that need for our relationship with God. Yet when we read Revelation, what's the one thing they lost? 
was their relationship with the, the first love of their relationship with God. And so that's important, incredibly important for us. And so we're going to carry on looking at not the Ephesian church, but uh, what it means and what it looks like. And as we do that, can I just put this caveat or kind of reminder that as we look at what it means to be a base, it's not uh, kind of from the point of view of it's a, it's a fulfilling of a, a kind of like a, a mandate or a, um, an organizational goal. What it should m- more correctly be is that if we look over our shoulder, we should see that if God has called us to be a base, then this is evidence of that in our lives. Make sense? That actually, it's, if, if we just say, well, this is what a base is, so this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it, and this is what we're going to... It's all about us. But actually, when we see God, if this is what you've called us to, as we give ourselves to Him, as we give ourselves to live His way, and we look at what God is doing, then there's evidence that that is fulfilled. Because if God calls us, and we walk in obedience and in our relationship with Him, this incredible mystery of following God, God accomplishes everything that He has planned. And yet if God hasn't called us to do that, no matter how much organizing, planning, vision casting, doing stuff, we won't get there because it's our idea, not His idea. And so our focus needs to be, God, what have you called us to? And time and time again, God has spoken that over. But also as we look back, we can see how God has used us in that. And it should be evident in our lives because of what God has spoken. And I remember... uh, uh, I don't know if it's months or weeks ago, I spoke about uh, uh, replanting. Remember, we did the whole series of God the Gardener, and I spoke about the fact that I felt God call us to replant, not as in start again, not as in reinvent, but remove the restrictions of a pot and be planted in the ground that we can reach the fullness of what He's called us to. Remember that? And it's incredibly important that when we understand that it's... uh, that's a kind of a helpful word, but probably not a helpful word, the replanting. But it's not to reinvent. It ties in with what Sam felt God say. It's some of those things that we've been consistently doing. But it's to remove the restrictions so that the roots can go into the ground deep and we can reach the fullness of what God has for us. And so this morning we're going to carry on in the vein of those things because the, what it means to be a base uncovers really everything that we are called to be as people. And this morning, if, you write, if you're one who writes titles, uh, I would title, if I did, was that people matter to God. People matter to God. That we're passionate about people. We totally devote our lives to God. We used to have those three points on everything we did. Totally devoted to God, passionate about people, impacting the nations. And I preached about that a few years ago as well. That we totally devote our lives to God and we can come to Him in a relationship because He is God and He is Creator and He builds that. But actually, our passion must be also for people because people matter to God. People mattered to Jesus. The world we live in rejects, it's full of rejection, abuse, uh, prejudice kind of neglect and all those things, selfish, looking at themselves, looking after themselves, the world even says uh, kind of these weird, um, almost uh, paradoxes where it says everybody must be given their own voice, as long as your voice is the same as mine, then it's fine, that's kind of like the world we live in. 
we're talking to someone, I think it was, uh, I can't remember who mentioned this to me, that actually it's probably easier to uh, adopt a child than it is to adopt a dog in our society. Uh, seriously. I mean, we've, we've, in the past, we've emergency fostered a child, and it was like, it just happened overnight. If you're going to go and get a dog, for, I think it was you guys at all, so if you're going to get a dog from a rescue place, they have to check your home, they have to do this, they have to do that, and, and it's harder in some respects to do that than it is a child. And you think, where has the world gone? And yet, I'm not saying that animals aren't important, but people are more important. Jesus died for humanity. And his heart and his passion is for people. That, not numbers, people that are brought back into a relationship with him, the God of all. When we read the Bible from cover to cover, when we hear and, and understand that we need to understand it from that point of God's passion for every single person. Those who know him already and those who don't know him. Those who are totally ignorant of who he is and those who are passionately following after him. His heart is that every single person would come to a place of relationship with him. And so as we look at this this morning, I, I, I feel stirred again. that, And you, you've heard me speak about this before. When we read the Bible, we need to read it with a Hebrew mindset of family, relationship, fellowship, community. Because when we do that, then we understand that people matter beyond anything else. You see, Jesus did what he heard the Father say for him to do. Jesus followed everything that the Father said because people matter to him. And we can say that we want to be like Jesus, but unless we live like him, we don't really actually mean that. Everything that he did reflected his relationship with the Father. And we look at the church we need to see that same thing. You see, Jesus did the will of the Father. When we are saved, we're saved into what? It's not a trick question. The family of God. Yes, remember we did all those pictures, the pictures of the church as a family, a building, a body, an army. Those are all metaphors that point to. But when we look at what it is, we are brought into the family of God. Jesus came... So that we would be reconciled in relationship with God. You see, God created heaven and earth and everything in it. Then he created man in his image in order that man would walk intimately and with a relationship with God. Man rebelled. That's when sin came. Which broke that relationship. And man cannot fix that relationship. And so God, out of his love and his desire that man would walk in relationship with him, sent his son, who came and lived, Jesus, who came and lived on earth as a man, who died on the cross, so that we would be reconciled in a relationship with God, our Father and Creator. 
and we have access to Him and to Him through Jesus and Jesus alone. There's nothing we can do that makes us acceptable to God. There's nothing we can do to bridge that gap. But if we believe in Jesus, put our faith in Him and surrender our lives, then this is what Scripture says, John 1.12. To those who believe in His name, He gave the right to be called children of God. Children of God. Romans 8.15. You receive the spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. You see, it's all about relationship. It's all about us connecting with Him. And so when we understand that that's how the Bible is written, with a Hebrew mindset of relationship and fellowship and family, then it changes everything about who we are. Unfortunately, most of the world, well, the Western world, probably most of the church as well in the West, and our lives that we live, we don't have that understanding. And I've spoken about this time and time again. Most of us live in this culture and this context in the West with a Greek mindset. It shouldn't, if you've been in the church for more than a year, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be news to you. The Greek mindset says this. Education, achievement, government. And we've learnt a lot. I mean, the world that we live in, our laws, our structures and everything else, all come from there. And so for us, that's a natural way of thinking without even realizing it. That's how we think, organizationally, uh, structurally, administratively, business-minded, uh, military, all those things. And we read the scriptures with that lens because that's the society we live in. Yet that's not how it was written. You see, yes, the New Testament was written in Greek language, but by Hebrews, with Hebrew thought. I'm not saying that we all need to become Jewish. What I'm saying is we all need to realize how Greek we are in our thinking. Because actually, when we understand the origin and how it's written, and the thinking behind it, you see, if we look at the world we live in, and, and also the church, in the West, often we might say different things, but in our heart and our mindset, it's all structure-based and achievement-based. What does the world look for in leaders? Charisma, ability, degrees. Can you do this? Unfortunately, sometimes the church does the same thing. What does God say about leaders? It's not about that. It's your character. How do you lead your home? It doesn't matter if you're loud or quiet. That's not important. The important is, do you get his heart? Do you live a life that is surrendered and reflecting him? Because that's who he's called us to be. And so when we read the scriptures, we, we can know all the terminology, but if our, if our mindset is still stuck in what we've all grown up with, we don't get this thing of actually it's a relationship with the Father. It's a family. It's a connection. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Some of those who are believers should probably be able to quote this. And again, I've preached this before. 
Acts 2.42 from, 40, from 42 to 47 says this. It's speaking of the church. And we, we read this and we make excuses. We say, no, well, we can't be that because that's not our culture. That, that's then and not here. It says this. Now, we, we love the idea of all the miracles. A few weeks ago, I think I said this. We love the idea of all the miracles, the signs and wonders, the power, the massive amounts of people who got saved. But look at this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave everyone to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We love that the Lord added to the number daily those who are being saved. But why is it that we are so reluctant to devote ourselves to God, His Word, prayer, and His people? They devoted themselves to teach the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship. That's His body. They gave to each other. It's giving of ourselves to him and his family, allowing that to change us. Surely that must be a key. Surely that devotion to him and each other must be a key to how the world is impacted. Jesus said, this, by this they will know that you are my disciples. By your, your plans, your strategies, your, your, your diary being full, your trips abroad, your encounters, your equips, your Bible teaching. No. By what? And some of the, those things are good. But by your love one for another. Why? Because everything about God's plan from Genesis to Revelation is relational, is family. And there's something of that Hebrew mindset that I believe God wants us to learn. And you might say, well, James, that's nonsense. We modern culture, modern society. Let me ask you this. Are you convinced, and you should be if you've been here long enough, not because I've said it, but because I've taught it enough from the Word, that God is the one who decides the exact time and place you will live? Do you believe that? That's very convincing. Do you believe that you are alive today, not by your design or your parents' desire, but by God's design? Yes. Right. Do you believe that the Bible is true? Yes. And that everything that God puts in there is good for us to be equipped, to be disciplined, to be changed, to live in fruitfulness and fullness of life? Yes. And God is the one who inspired the Bible. Yes. Way back, God created Adam and Eve. Then we know that whole account of Adam and Eve and Noah and all those. And then there is who's called the father of our faith? Abraham. God spoke to Abraham. Was Abraham a Hebrew? No. Not at that point. Was he Jewish? No. God called him out from where he was. And gave him a promise that through him, speaking of Jesus, that all nations of the world would be blessed. And then from him, he made the nation. 
and called the nation and set the nation apart. You with me? So Hebrew culture and thinking comes from where? Logically, God. Out of all the peoples of the world, God chose them. Out of all the peoples of the world, times of, in, in history, He sent His Son to which nation? The Hebrews. So that He would grow up as a man in that context of the culture and the way of thinking that He is designed. He could have been a Greek, could have been an Egyptian, could have been any nation of the world. He could have been, but God chose where he would be, what background, what upbringing, what thinking. And do you not therefore think that there's something in that that God wants to teach us about how to live? You see, we're quite happy to say, well, there's patterns in Scripture about the temple. This is nowhere on my notes at all. There are patterns in Scripture about the temple. And there's so much that we, have to, we can learn from the, the pattern of the temple and the, and the structures and how it's put in place. And, and through Jesus, all of that's been fulfilled. And we, we are now the temple of the living God. But there's so much we can learn from those pictures. Yet we totally ignore the fact that there is so much that we can learn from the way in which Jesus thinks and thought as a man on earth, which is relational, family, Father, that way. And we read Scripture and we see all these things and we use the right terminology, but we trans- uh, translate it through a Greek mind because that's how we live in our society. And we put things in place that are not helpful. Now let me try and find my notes. Why do you think today family is under attack and is broken? There's some people who have never, ever experienced what family is. And a lot have, but it's nothing like what biblical family is. And yet that's what God calls us, His family. And the key is that we live authentic relationship with Him and with each other. The world needs the church to stand up and show them what it means to walk in a relationship with God and what it means to be a church family. And that requires that we build our lives according to His way and His plan and His purposes because that's what He's created us for. And we reconciled to Him, God the Father, who is King and Lord. We aren't, recogni- we aren't reconciled to the CEO or the boss or the director or the superintendent. We, rec- we are reconciled to God the Father. And by the Spirit, we have been given the ability to call Him Abba, Father, because it's relational. That's why people are so important to God, because He hungers and thirsts for a relationship with us. The gospel message is all about reconciliation of a relationship. Yes, our destiny is with Him in heaven. But it's all about the fact that He created us to live in relationship with Him. That relationship's broken. The only way we can come to Him is through Jesus and we reconciled in relationship with Him. So what has that got to do with us today? What's it got to do with us being a base or living our lives? 
It's because when we realize that it's all about relationship, we realize the importance of relationship and that people matter. That those that you encounter in your workplace matter to God. Those who live around here who don't know Him matter to Him. Those of us together in this church community matter to Him. And so we give ourselves in our relationship with Him and our relationship with each other. The church is a relational family. And we need to give ourselves intentionally to that. All the other stuff is sometimes a product of that. So there are some things that we do intentionally. If I use my family as an example, and it's easy because none of my kids are here today, they're all in Edinburgh. There's some things that are evident in our family, nuclear family, because as parents we intentionally gave ourselves to that. Like teaching them about God. We intentionally, from the moment they were born, spoke about God, or even when they were in the womb they heard it, but we spoke about God, taught them the scriptures, brought them to church, and they came to prayer, all of those things, so that they grew up in that context of a relationship with God, knowing his word, knowing the importance of worship, knowing the importance of prayer. Intentionally, we, we spoke of and brought them up in a way that they could be individual. We had, we've got twins, that they are individual. They're unique in who they are. They can express themselves in that way. Yes, there's some commonalities because you can see that we're related, but there's an individuality in each one of them because we intentionally did that, intentionally taught them to express themselves who they were, intentionally exposed them to the nations and bigger things and other cultures so that they would see that actually life is not just about them and their small corner but about the kingdom and those around the world. Intentionally, we did those things. We're not perfect. Believe me, we're not perfect. Ask them, they'll tell you we're not perfect. (laughs) Without hesitation, probably. We taught them to try whatever you feel God say. If it doesn't work, try again. Try something else. There's some things that are intentional. Then there's some things that are a surprise to us. They can play sport. Really, really good hockey players. Well, two of them. The other one only runs if it's, a, if it's an emergency. <laughs> really good sportsmen. Musicians. Creative. You think, well, that's obvious because that's what you are. Well, we didn't expect our, our children might not have been. I, I know families where that's, they're incredibly creative parents and then they have children who are scientific and mathematical and can't even draw a stick man. So it's, <laughs> you don't take those things for granted, but it's a surprise. organized in history and all those things, those were surprises that we recognized then opened the door, encouraged, strengthened, and let them do those things. See, some, it's the same is true for us in our lives. Some things we intentionally give ourselves to and other things we see, they come up and then we open the door for others. And that's what family does. That's what we should be doing as a church as well. So there's some things that we are to give ourselves to intentionally and see the fruit because those things we believe in scripture we believe they're true we convinced of them and then when God surprises us with other things and other connections then we, we see those we recognize those and we work with those but the one thing that I believe we need to focus on uh, uh, and everything else but today in the, today's preach is this thing of intentionally building authentic relationships from that mindset of understanding that church is relational and family because people matter to God and we need to love each other and equip each other and help each other so that we can impact the world around us because all of the world matters to God. The other stuff 
is often fruit of what we give ourselves to. See, often we're too focused on the fruit. And we think, well, we need to try and be this and try and be this, but actually that's the byproduct of digging your roots down. Just think of a tree and fruit. A tree digs its roots down, draws the nutrients and everything that God's in, and then produces fruitfulness. The tree doesn't think about producing fruit. It thinks about drawing from the goodness and everything else, if a tree can think. And fruit happens. We don't force things to happen through our own will or plan or anything else, but there's faithfully and intentionally following God together. Faithfully and intentionally following God together in authentically living out what He says. Not just in our community, but beyond our community, together with that. Intentionally building relationships. And, and if we don't, they won't happen. I, I, I'm amazed. And it might just be my perspective of how the world has lost the art of building relationships. It's probably more true, unfortunately, in the church. I know that might be quite hard to swallow, but it's pretty much true. Because we've lost the fact that people matter to God, He's our Father, we are reconciled in a relationship, they matter to Him, the Father, they matter to Jesus, the Son, they matter to the Holy Spirit, they should matter to us. And so it's what we give ourselves to. When we read the Gospels, we see who Jesus spent time with, who He reached. All sorts. Just think of the people that he drew as his 12 disciples. Very varied. The people that he reached were, some were wealthy, some were, were wealthy not because of good business, but bad. Some were despised, some were sick, some were rejected, some were blind, deaf, some were possessed, some, some were pretty normal. Yet everybody seemed to be drawn to him not because of anything else, but because of he spent time in his relationship with God and people mattered and he treated them as people, not part of a process. He treated them as, actually, this is part of the family. I'm, I'm here so that you would come to know me, know the Father, because everything about Jesus reflects the Father. Those that didn't get on with him were those who had an agenda or the religious. But his whole purpose was to reconcile us to himself and there are all kinds of people and so if that is who Jesus is and we say that we are disciples of his we're following after him we walk in relationship with him we need the same heart every single type of person from every single type of background culture matters to God matters to us if we truly live following God as his children then we'd have the same heart to build authentic relationships within the community of the church. For us, that's here, Christ Church, to involve ourselves in the world around us and reach them as well. Build authentic relationships with the world around us so that God would use us to reach them. So it's not just one or the other. It's not come and be our holy huddle. It's actually when we see they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship. They, they shared their lives. They shared their stuff. They broke down their walls. They opened their homes. They, it was messy. 
But there was an authenticity and a reality of a relationship with God and a relationship with others that the power of the Holy Spirit worked through and people were transformed because they weren't just studying the Bible as an intellectual process. It was studying the Word so that we would be transformed because we believe what it says and it brings us closer to Him. And, that's, and, and so as we do that, we make the most of every opportunity, not just with strangers. That we, it's so easy to preach the gospel to strangers. They don't know you. What about your neighbor that hears you when you yell at your children? What about your neighbor that you've lived next to for years and years and years and years? They might know you go to church, they might know you're a Christian, but have you ever shared your faith? Have you ever invited them to become part of something that you're doing as a church family community? Or is that a removed, well, that's this category, that's that category. If you want to see the world changed, and this isn't new, I've preached it time and time again, build authentic relationships with God, with each other, and with the world. You have to be in the harvest field to collect the harvest. You have to be in the world and know the people to actually be able to reach them. But we also need to build strong relationships with each other. And those things take time. I feel so often this might require some adjustment in our thinking. We're so busy doing stuff, we think we need to do these things and get these things done and, and, and our relationships become quite functional. And we can, we can do stuff functionally together and we need to. And relationship is built and sometimes those are the starting point and, but if it becomes the focus, you aren't building strong relationships. You've got a Greek mindset. We need to do stuff together. We need to function together. Just think of this. Because when you stop functioning... The proof of this, the reality of the relationship is based on whether that relationship continues. So look over your shoulder and see, well, the relationships of mine that I have no longer have a connection with, because they stopped doing stuff with me or stopped, we stopped functioning together or in the same proximity, did those relationships continue? Did you still find each other? If they didn't, I'm sorry, that relationship is a functional Greek relationship rather than an understanding of Hebrew covenant family relationship. We need to acknowledge what it is, learn from it, and put in place what is right for ahead. It doesn't mean you have to now go and find all those people and try and make it that. That's weird. And I get that God moves in times and seasons in different relationships, but if we constantly only have function and rely solely on function, and that becomes the focus. You see, function can be the catalyst to a relationship with Jesus at the center. But if Jesus isn't the center of the relationship, the relationship's not going to last. Jesus isn't the center of your marriage, it's not going to last. Jesus is the center of your friendships, they won't last. doesn't mean you can't be friends with those who don't know Jesus. It'll be a different kind of friendship. But if we replace Jesus at the center of our relationships with our function, our, our, our likes and dislikes, or anything else, or even ourself, they're doomed for destruction. And they will not last. So look and see, well, I've learned the mistake. And all of us make mistakes. I've got relationships that are no longer relationships because they were purely function. 
We all do it. It doesn't mean I'm going to change how I believe. The truth means let me put in place the things that are right for what comes ahead. Because it's authentic relationships. And I can't force you to build authentic relationships. But all I can say is unless we start doing that from the understanding that it's, it's not about what we do, it's, not, it's, it, it's who we are as His children in a relationship with our Father, that we then start building into those relations with each other, then we start to see that the life of God flows through us. Yes, it means it takes longer. It's slower. But it's sustainable. Because it's intentionally building with those both in the church and those out. I know our culture is different. We've already covered that. But it's not an excuse. What is God wanting for us to change? Every culture has its good points and its bad points. Its strengths and its weaknesses. I think one of our key weaknesses in our culture, and I'm aware there are many different cultures here, is that we constantly think like the Greeks. Yet we're called to live like Jesus, which is relational, strong, intentional. Because those relationships, and you see, totally devoting our lives to God, passionate about every single person because people matter to God. And when, when we build our relationships strong based on the Word of God, when we do that, that means that actually when we allow others into our world, we take down our masks, we take down our barriers. Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's painful at times. Yes, it's messy. But unless we do that, we are not going to grow as people into the likeness of Jesus. And, and unless we become more and more like Jesus, the world looks at the church and they see very little difference between themselves and the church. And unfortunately, sometimes they see stronger relationships in the world. I think, well, what is that about? I remember when I was, I need to hurry. I remember when I was coaching the hockey teams. Because I was head of under-16s and that whole age group, and I got to know all the different leaders over the different things and the community as a whole. And now I lead a church that should be based on a relationship with the Father, relationship with each other that is covenantal, not organizational. Covenantal, real, authentic. Open your heart, take down your masks, open your homes, open your lives. All of those things. Because it's truth and it's life-giving. And we've got Jesus who should transform us. And then I was in the, the hockey club and these guys have known, then not all of them, but a large group. Know everything about each other's lives. Not scared to tell each other where they're battling. One guy gets sick, cancer, the rest of them organize all sorts of stuff to help him. One, a few even shaved their heads because he went through treatment. They raised money, they supported, they, everything. And you think, well, we, they don't even know Jesus. They organized their schedules and times and their life around being together. Yes, the trigger point was the hockey pitch. But it was so much beyond that. And then I think, where does the church get it wrong? Where we think prayer meetings are chore. 
It's much more important to do this or that. I give myself to relationship, but I don't come in my home. I'll show you what I want to show you because of some weird idea that actually we can't be weak. And we expect the church then to be a beacon of light that the world looks at and says, there's something different. There's something that is life-giving. And it's all because of Jesus. They devoted themselves, just read Acts 2.42-47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread, to fellowship, to the preach. Uh, to, uh, oh, what else was there? Apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, fellowship, prayer. They shared their life, they shared their stuff, they opened their homes, they let their masks down. It was a mess, but God moved. And people were added. Why? Because they saw the reality of a relationship with a living God. And when you have that relationship with Him, you cannot help but care for other people. You cannot help have a heart for and love humanity. Why? Because that is who we're drawing from. That's who we're being reconciled with. That's why we have home groups. In our society, we have to have something that is a catalyst. And home groups are a place that you can build authentic relationship that creates significant transformation in our lives according to the Word of God in community. It's more than a meeting on Tuesday or Wednesday. That's the catalyst. It should be beyond. But it's authentic relationship. That's what it's there for. The, the guys in Acts, they spent time together. They ate food together. They enjoyed life together. They preached. They prayed together. They looked at the Word of God together. That was all focused on Jesus at the center. The breaking of bread didn't happen on a Sunday morning. It happened in the home. Yeah, we do both. But you see, there's so much more that we can learn from just reading it with a different lens. Because we reconciled in a relationship with God, the one who created us, the one who calls us, the one who knows us. We heard about it this morning in the contributions. He knows. Step on faith. He looks after. He protects. The kingdom you call to is incredible. And because, why? Because we have a Father who is God. And we have a relationship with each other. But only you can devote yourself. Only I can devote myself. If we've made mistakes and mess-ups in the past, and we all do relationally, learn from it and intentionally build. And can I say this, and home group leaders, forgive me, if you're in a home group that you don't feel that you are building authentic relationships because of whatever reason, go and find another one. But do something. Guys, we can't be the ones who say, people matter to God, the gospel's here, we've got a mission to do, we've got, and we have got all of those things. But actually we live disconnected, isolated, guards up everything else. Because as soon as you do that, we never change. And then unfortunately what's behind us is the wake of functional brokenness. 
rather than a community of people who are strong behind and encouraging and strengthening so that each one can fulfill everything that God's called them to. I get we're all different. Thank goodness we're all different. But we need to build with each other and with those around us. Jesus is the focus and the center and the world needs to see the church transformed by the love and power of God because our lives are surrendered and we've encountered God and we are transformed. The world doesn't need a church that is slick performance and there's nothing wrong with those things. But if they're the focus, everything's wrong with them. I love, I love organic and loose, but I do like being organized. I love things how they should be and what they look like and everything else, but it's not the be-all and end-all. I love the fact that we could hopefully have things that sound that's good, but if the electricity goes off and we have to sing a cappella and all our weird tunes, that's fine. There's the authenticity that is needed. And that only comes when we actually have a relationship with God. And we actually choose to give ourselves to Him and to each other for the sake of the lost, for the sake of His call. You see, we to devote ourselves, totally devoted to Him, passionate about people that we pour our lives out so that through us we can continue the work of the kingdom of God which is advancing. There's this, someone once put it like this, the mystery of the workings of God. To me that's so amazing and just gets everything, in my, I'm, I'm just caught by that wanting to understand all those mysteries but it also brings complete freedom. Because in the mess of who we are, God adds. God builds. People get saved. The mess of acts, God added. People got saved. Today, if you don't know him, know this. God, there's only one God who created heaven and earth. And he knows who you are. And he wants you to know who he is. And he says in the Bible that if you call on him he will answer so if you don't know him today I'd encourage you ask God to show you who he is and he will but for those of us who do know God can I ask you this go away this week and ask the Holy Spirit to show you how you view the world and relationships. God, show me where I need to adjust. Show me what I need to remove, what walls, what barriers, what everything else. And I get we put all those up for self-preservation, but our faith isn't in each other. Our faith is in him. And we choose to trust because we, in, intrinsically we trust him. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we can come to you, the living God. This morning I pray for those who don't know you, that you would, as they call out to you, that you would reveal yourself to them like you said you would. 
Father, the rest of us, we surrender ourselves completely to you. And I pray that through my ramblings and preaching this morning, those things that are of you that struck our hearts, that, Lord, that we would pay attention to those things. Give us the boldness and the courage and the ability to lay aside our other way of thinking and build intentionally with each other, authentically building relationships involved in life together for your kingdom, that you would be glorified, you would be honored, that people's lives would be transformed because they see you working in us because we live in relationship with you and with each other. Holy Spirit, help us to do that. Help us to do that. And Lord, if we have not been bothered with other people, this morning we repent. God, give us a heart that is broken for people who don't know you that stirs us not out of obligation but out of love to reach out, to involve ourselves in the lives of others, involve ourselves in each other's lives as we fulfill what you've called us to. God, that first and foremost we to love you and to love others. And because of our love for you and our love for others, we go and make disciples of all, in, all nations. Thank you, God, that we matter to you. Help us to remember that that's true for everyone. Come and have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. There's tea and coffee and there's loads of cake. So, um, Steve and Natasha got married a few weeks ago. Remember, we, uh, and they bought some cake that's left over. Then uh, Linda's daughter got married yesterday and they left cake that's left over. So there are plates and there's cake, lots of cake, and then there's lunch. So you're welcome to stay you, there's also tin coffee at the back if you want, but have a brilliant week. Thank you.